Welcome back, everyone, to another broadcast of In the Trenches. I'm excited to have Damian Lupo on the call with us today. He is the founder of Total Control Financial, a company with a mission to empower people to transform their financial future by taking control of their retirement funds. Many people treat their savings and investing as a side thought, storing their money in traditional 401ks and IRA accounts. But according to Damian, this is not the best way to save or grow your wealth. Instead, he recommends entrepreneurs in the United States who are serious about growing their wealth consider using a QRP, which we get into in today's call. Now, today's conversation isn't all about the QRP or all about savings or investing. We also talk about wealth in general, what it is, how to accumulate it, how to grow it. And one thing that really stuck out to me that I really appreciated was Damien's insights into how we can kind of evaluate what someone values by looking at the three C's. The three C's are cash, credit card, and calendar. As in, what are you spending your money on? Addictions or habits or things that don't really matter or maybe positively things that will help you grow your business or investments in your personal education, personal growth. Your credit card, so how you're trading away your future for stimulus today because that's what a credit card is. And your calendar, how are you using or squandering your time? So I thought this was a really interesting, unique way to approach the idea of just wealth in general. So those are the three C's and we'll get into that today as well. So without further ado, let's get to the conversation. So Damien, let's get started here by talking, broadly speaking, about wealth, investing, and maybe a little bit on saving, because I think that's an integral piece too, to some degree. But what's your perspective on wealth creation through investing and, uh, and, and, and savings? Well, first off, wealth, it has nothing to do with money. I mean, let's just be, let's put that right out there and kind of screw people's minds up a little bit because wealth is really just about freedom and choices. And uh, money is kind of a side effect of you creating something and doing something and building a, a confidence muscle. And that's, that's kind of the big shift that I think people need to think about immediately if you're just focusing on money and i mean i did this in my 20s i built a 20 million dollar real estate empire five million dollar net worth and lost it all i thought wealth was cash so i was just going for more and when i lost that there was this this confusing state of well what do i do now because my confidence was messed up and and so we've got to we've got to switch over into that space of really finding that confidence so nobody can ever take it away once you have that you've got unlimited wealth and it's it's truly where you're going to find the freedom. And I think that that's really what we're looking for, the freedom to be able to do what we want. It's not a pile of money. I mean, that is not free. Talk to people that are 55 years old that built up a bunch of cash accidentally, and they're afraid they're going to lose it. They don't have time to do it the way they did it. So that's kind of the shift that we need to talk about. Or even talk to the people who have done that and they did it purposefully. They didn't fall into it or get lucky or anything like that. It's also still a full-time job just managing wealth at a certain level. And I don't envy some people who are in those positions based on just my interactions with them uh, because, well, it's just the way they've, they maybe in some ways they've chosen to live life and, and the, maybe the added burdens and stress that come with just like vast quantities of money. And I live just near Aspen, Colorado. So there's, there's a lot of that. Let's put it that way. So I, I agree with you. I've seen it firsthand. It's, it's funny. I, I just moved um, to, to Scottsdale, Arizona, and I'm in an area where d down below on an average day, there's, there's dozens of Ferraris. And I even saw a Bugatti the other weekend. I mean, this is like a $2 million car and the, the, the level of wealth and people trying to chase each other. This is one of the most dangerous things that we get caught up in this tornado. And we've all heard it about chasing and, and keeping up with the Joneses. And when you get to extremely wealthy areas, it, it gets totally out of control. So one of the things that I like to talk about and, and really live as, as an example is the, the idea of simplicity using blank slate principles. 
And that, that simply means instead of carrying your life along with you, kind of like this albatross, you really just, you have to go into a room like when you move into a new house and you start with it being blank and, and then figure out what should come into it. And what's interesting is most of the stuff that's in our lives or a lot of it probably won't show up and probably won't come into it. And it lightens your weight on what you have to drag with you throughout your life, which is a really different way to live when you're lighter instead of heavier. Hmm. We should get into that. And I'm going to bookmark that. I want to come back to that. But the first piece you said, this idea of when people are kind of showcasing their wealth. So I, I feel very grateful because while I'm near Aspen, um, I'm in the mountains, you know what I mean? I'm very far away, far removed from society, but 10 minutes away from a whole food. So I'm good. But, you know, I was just, um, doing some travel recently for, uh, I was speaking at a few different conferences around the country and, and you know, what's funny is like, I'm not, uh, I'm not like the best dressed and I don't really do a lot of that stuff to impress. I don't do this, the, the, the social stuff, like, uh, uh, dress and fashion and things like that to, to, but being around it, I started thinking more about like, man, maybe I should get like a new, like a new shirt or maybe I should like iron this stuff a little bit better or, oh yeah, maybe I should like, and then you see like the flashy cars and the flashy wallets or uh, watches, whatever it is. Right. And it's funny, just even a little bit of that got into my brain. I was like, man, I started actually looking at things to buy. I was like, wait a sec, do I really need this? And I was able to shut it off because I got away from it. Mm -hmm. But I think being in those areas, uh, surrounded by people that I actually look at as one of the, the negative consequences being in, in, in otherwise great cities is you're surrounded by people. And it is, it's just straight up keeping up with the Joneses. Even if you don't want it, I feel like it kind of sinks into your, your being a little bit, unless you're, you're really aware and conscious of it. Yeah. This, this really goes back to the whole idea of influences. Uh, w one of the books that I wrote called reinvented life, there's a, and we've heard this in different forms, the, that the five people that are around you, I think Jim Rohn said this many years ago, you become those five people. And it's fascinating because you don't just become them in one area. You become them in their health, their mindsets, their ethics and morals. Like back when I was creating all my money, I was modeling really, really wealthy people in terms of their money. But the problem is I became them in every way, including a lack of morals and ethics. And when I look back, I went, oh my God, I was modeling really bad people. And I became kind of a bad person and I had to rewire that stuff. So it is it is a challenge. The the impact of being in a, in a big city or in a, in a place with a lot of people that are doing things, especially if they're focused on contribution and impact, is that it starts to lift you up. If it's an area where everybody's hustling like crazy, like if you have a, a, a tribe of Grant Cardones floating around, you literally might work yourself to death because you're going to be so excited about working 27 hours a day because that's what everybody's doing and you just sort of start doing it. It's a really, you've got to be conscious about the influences, man. I mean, it is dangerous to go to the wrong space, but super cool if you're in the right space because you'll naturally start going in that direction. Well, yeah, and that comes to this idea, maybe we'll get into the blank slate principle that you just discussed because I, I like that and I like looking at things like a blank slate. Um, and it's great because here's a really practical purpose is actually looking at the rooms in your house and what can you do to improve them. And I, I don't really know much about feng shui, but I like to think I have an, a, a sense for the energy of a, of a space a little bit. So I do like to organize things so they make me feel a certain way. And that's conscious like in my day-to-day -day life and how I structure my, the just structure the actual, like my calendar, day-to-day -day calendar, but also like kind of what surrounds me and stuff like that. I know where this is going to, this is an audio that people are going to be listening to, but you see me on video, you see what's behind me and the, we just talked about Robert Kiyosaki and my, all my books on real estate and, and all this other stuff that we both have a lot in common there in terms of like interests. And it's, it, I, I think it's, it's so incredibly important because it, what you, what you do with your surroundings, your immediate surroundings, 
it's like a manifestation of who you are. And it's like, so if you can control it at this level where you can change your environment in a small way, uh, it can, I think it actually impacts like everything else in your life as well. And it's not always just a one way street. It's, it's both ways. But I think, like you said, it's, it's consciousness and awareness of this and then just being and making the right choices. So talk me through your idea of this blank slate principle and how does that work and how has that impacted your life and, and how you've generated wealth over the years? Well, it, it, the, the way it came up when it was one of my moves and I've moved a lot. So I, I moved into a new place and, and I, and I was sitting there being ready to have all the stuff go in and I went, wait a second. If I didn't have anything, like if my house burned down, but all my stuff was in a moving truck, would I actually bring it in or what would I bring in? And I realized almost nothing fit me in terms of who I was, the furniture, the clothes, the, the stuff, the silverware. And when the last time I moved recently in the last week, I actually had my stuff. I stopped my stuff at a mini storage. And then from there, I looked and decided what was going to come and actually live in the space with me. And and so I do that with to an extreme with people. Uh, and I, I did this both with physical people and people on Facebook and all these social media platforms where I asked the question, who is in line alignment with me and who can I serve? Who who provides energy to me when I'm around them and who sucks me dry? And what I found was it, when I started asking different questions about people, it became fairly easy to disconnect. And as some people would say in my life, eviscerate them, which is a very dangerous thing because it's painful. But it's also necessary because you're going to become like these people. And if people are sucking you dry, then you really can't show up and contribute. You can't create a life. So that was the the blank slate piece. And with social media, every person that's in social media is creating some little bit of energy or some noise. So at one point, I went into my my Facebook and I remember doing this. I got inspired one day and I I had like 700 people in there and I cut 500 of them off in 24 hours. I mean, I deleted them. So we just have to decide what's going to be in our life. If we don't, by default, we're going to have physical clutter and we're going to have unbelievable digital clutter. And I think then all of that adds to kind of the mental clutter too, yeah. right? So you mentioned that. One of the things like I, I did this like a few years ago, I, I removed like my Facebook feed and I like use social media from a business standpoint, but I don't actually use it personally speaking, which is funny sometimes to me. I, but I don't have that stuff like on my phone. I don't, there's no satisfaction I get out of it. I, it's, it's, it's sad. And, but, and it's not that it can't be used well. Like I'm sure some people have like really organized like who they're friends with and stuff like that. I just want the approach. Was like, I'm just going to clear all this out. I'll use it for business, whatever. But I'm actually very happy being disconnected in that way. It's like, I don't like, and it, it's the same thing. I, I mentioned that when I'm in these cities and I'm around these people, I start second guessing myself and like what I should be doing. It's just like a natural human inclination to like want to model other people, right? And or we look to other people to to inform our actions and decisions. And so social media then is this like bizarre microcosm where everybody has a stance on everything, man. And it's like mostly negative. And even the positive stuff I feel like comes off like it's just not useful for me. So I just like avoid it like a plague. It, it, and it's also a fascinating thing that when you look at social media, you look at Facebook feeds, it's it's the highlight reels of people's lives. And so we're comparing our real life to people's highlight reels. And you know, I mean, it's going to sound harsh to people that are in front of their, their phone staring at Facebook feeds, but I think it's kind of pathetic to spend all that time and not go deep with people face to face. I mean, I think it's, it, you're, there's no depth of connection when we see people, what they had for breakfast or what trip they went on. I mean, that, what are we really getting from that? So I, I'm with you. It's, it's, a, it's a way to, to share and to, to help people. But when you realize when you see the numbers on how many hours a day people are watching TV and watching their screens with their Facebook feeds pretty much, 
it, I, it probably pales in comparison to the amount of hours that the president spends on Twitter, but it's still a massive amount of time and you can't get it back. And really, how is that enhancing your life? It's probably making you crazy. I find myself looking at Facebook when I'm going to post something and their stupid system will literally suck me in. And I was like, I'm going to reply to that. That makes me mad. And then I go, wait a second. What are you doing? Like, shut that thing off because it is it is set up to suck us in and keep us in. I mean, that is how they make money by keeping our eyeballs on things and getting us to click things so we become the product. It is not healthy and it is not productive to be in that space. There's nothing free in life. And so these free platforms, the currency is your attention. Yeah. And you're probably familiar with Nir Eyal who wrote Hooks. Anyway, a good, a really compelling book. And I interviewed him a while back and a uh, smart guy and talks about, um, he doesn't like to use the term addiction, habit forming, like how to create habit forming products. So like there's this like positive slant on it. And that's great. It's like, yes, create a habit forming product. And, and like, you know, my Fitbit is a habit forming product that I actually think adds value to my life. But a lot of the other habit forming ones don't. And so, yeah, it's like clear, clear these things out. I also think a lot of people get caught into the trap. Well, because other people are doing it, I'll do it too. How bad can it be? to be on Facebook, to look at these updates. Um, you know, I stay, and then, and then you hear the, just the rationalization after the fact, which is, well, I, I feel uh, this, this helps me stay in contact with people or stay in touch or, uh, keep, you know, and I just think to myself, like, no, I really don't think it does. I think that is a rationalization. I think you could cut that out and you could still stay in touch with people in a number of different ways that would actually be healthier for you. And, and by doing s small things like that, like I find that actually like, and you kind of, it's kind of like a minimalism mindset you have. I think I, I have that as well to some degree. It's like, what are the things in my life I can cut out? Cause that's the first course of action. It's like, let's cut out complexity. And then now let's fill it with things that are useful. Um, and, and so I look at it then in terms of, I do spend a lot of time on screens but I'm producing, like I'm creating content. I use, I use the technology we have to, as a, to be a creator and to hopefully add value to other people's lives. And I rarely use a screen just for like entertainment anymore. It's kind of crazy. I mean, I guess I'll listen to the odd podcast or, or YouTube uh, video and, and sometimes I get hooked into those, but they're all educational type stuff like that I'm interested in. And now that's my personality and it doesn't have to be everybody's. And, and maybe you, you still have that little, I guess that, that um, perhaps that's your, your, your indulgence during the day, but it is worthwhile, I think, to think about what could you carve out of your life to, to create more space and more time, and now what could you fill that that void with? All sorts of meaningful things, I think. Here's the, here's the challenge or the, the problem that most people face when they're they're thinking about all this stuff that's, that's causing disruption or noise. They go, well, what am I going to cut out? Well, I kind of like that. It's like going to your closet and spring cleaning, and it seems like it never, it never actually, ha like it never works out because you still have a packed closet. The there's a way of, of starting from a space where you're cutting and there's a way of starting from a blank space and adding. And the adding is so much easier because there's no emotion. You actually have to make a choice to bring something in. If you say, well, I'm going to get rid of things, everything you're doing is a slice into you because it's a choice you've already made and you're, you're, you're creating a negative attack on, on your previous choices. So that's why you have to really like take everything out and then say, what am I going to bring in? And then it's a positive choice. Otherwise, we won't do it. That's why it's hard to do. Yeah, that's oh, that's that's a good perspective on that. I I think I tend towards I'm uh, uh, more Spartan by by nature, and, and uh, I've always loved uh, a challenge. But I also feel like better when I'm I I'm, I'm a straight up I'm a pack mule. I think most human beings are anyway. There has to be some kind of burden I'm carrying, honestly. Like otherwise, I and it's just but it's I've, I've accepted that, and it's not like a, it's this misery type thing. It's I, I see I actually get a ton of personal value out of it. 
Um, and so I, I realized like, so for me, actually, some of the things I do actually purposely cut things out to challenge myself and to keep myself sharp. It's, it's, but that's my technique. I, but I, I love this idea of actually just starting blank slate. Cause I think there's a lot of positive psychology that would back that up and saying, well, who, who, who's the type of person you would want to be. And I, I wrote about that uh, a long man, like four or five years ago on my blog about, you know, it's like, are you the type of person you admire? Like if you can take yourself out of your body and look at you, do you admire yourself? Probably the vast majority of people, probably everybody will probably all, uh, are ashamed of ourselves to some degree, but you know, the vast majority think actually do carry a lot of that shame and guilt. And if I think for no other reason, than not taking a step back to, like you said, to start with a blank slate and say, well, who do I want to be? And let's be, let's be progressive in, in a, in a positive way about how you can build yourself into the person you want and, the, and then create the business you want and then create the wealth you want in a way that's that truly is in alignment which is also a fluffy term but i'm, I'm actually coming to grips with it because I, I i see it in my life now like i actually feel more aligned which is a weird thing to say because i always used to kind of scoff at that notion but there's i think there's truth to it i don't know if you have any opinions on that no i mean i, I think that i think exactly what you're saying is exactly right um it's i, I think there's a consciousness that that people are afraid of going into. A lot of the work I've done over the years with people with money, the first thing that happens is the most terrifying. We actually look at the numbers and we get real with what's going on because I can tell you who you are based on three things, three C's, your cash, your credit cards, and your calendar. And the reason that most people wing their calendar is because if, if they were honest about it, like attorneys are when they have their six minute intervals, it would terrify them with how they're squandering their time. And if you look at the actual cash in your life, what you're doing with your cash, it would also terrify you. You'd see what you value. You'd see what your priorities are. You'd see what your addictions, your habits, all this stuff, what it really is, not what you think it is. And then with the credit, you realize how you're, you're basically trading your future for these stimulus today. And so these three things, having awareness around them, which is why having a coach or somebody that will tell you the truth is so freaking valuable because you won't look at the truth because it hurts and it tells you exactly what's going on and you can't change anything unless you know what's going on. I just find it fascinating how few people actually know and at any level making 50,000 or making seven figures every year, people don't want to look at the reality of what they're doing because it scares them. And they're like, ah, I, I wouldn't want to be around that person, but you know what? I am that person. So the truth in, in the numbers really does help you to get clear and you kind of have to blank slate it if you're going to do that. But there's a reason why, why most people don't do that. It's, it's terrifying to see the truth about what we actually yeah. do. Walk me through that a little bit. I like that. The three things, cash, credit, calendar. I think you gave a great synopsis of like what we discover when we look at that. If I was to do a self-analysis, uh, is that possible, one, or do you really have to get mm -hmm. an outside source? Okay, so it is possible. Now, what? how might I go about actually looking through that, like what are what exactly am I looking for and what are like maybe some indicators to help me uh, evaluate and then choose the proper course of action? Well, so this, there's a question of how extreme you wanna be. I mean, one of the things for, this is an accountability question. So I start, this is, this is back to positive, negative. So we say, okay, what are we going to pay attention to or are we gonna start from scratch? So I, I use Gary Keller's stuff with the one thing I time block. And so my calendar, I, it's sacred. I also have an untouchable days. So on Mondays, and it's probably gonna be Friday, those days, my phone is literally off and my, my Wi-Fi is off. There, nothing can touch me. It's on purpose because that's my creation space. The, 
the rest of my week is literally blocked out. And a big part of that is because in a creative space, when you're going to create big impact and do things, you've got to have the time where nothing can get in your way. And if it's if you're siloed into a space where you're controlling it because it's on your calendar, I mean, I want my calendar to be blocked out. It might be a three-hour block where I'm blocking it just to write or just to think, but I'm blocking it out. I don't want four and five-hour chunks laying all over the place where I'm just going to wander into Facebook or do something stupid. So the the extreme way of, of figuring out what's going on, and I guarantee you there's almost nobody that will do this, is to put a camera up in front of you and behind you looking at your computer and do a live stream to the world. Be- or, or you know, I mean, what happens is people hate being accountable at, at that level. But the funny thing is it's almost like having a board of directors that's hovering over you because people can see what you're doing and you start to think, okay, maybe I shouldn't just be looking at CNN for six hours a day. You know, like the, the things that we do that we waste time with. So that's one way to do it. And then having having somebody that gets to go into your Mint account is a very powerful way to get clarity very, very quickly and get some feedback with somebody that will tell you the truth and might be a little bit tough on you asking the questions. Those two things can give you a a place of clarity that will give you more power than almost anything you can do just having those two pieces of of feedback on what you're really doing with your time and what you're really doing with your money Mm, i like that never done the recording thing although what i do is i do time myself on just about everything and i try to be as accurate as possible not never going as as deep as where it's consuming more time than i'm actually using to be productive which of course it could spiral into that but it's one of those things when I press a button on a clock that's timing me for a task, it keeps me on point better. I still get distracted and all those things. But like I said before, I think one of my, my strategies is actually just removing uh, notification type um, applications from my phone um, and blocking those out on my computer as well. And and I actually do the, the calendar chunking and I find that really helpful. So marrying up like what my plan is for whatever it is, whether it's a client project or my own, and blocking out that time on a calendar, physically speaking, based on my time estimates of what it's going to take to do all those things, and then actually doing those things. Uh, and so I like to actually get really detailed in the calendar too, to some degree. And you can use it kind of like a project management tool, um, even if you don't use something separate. So I, I feel like I'm on I'm on point here so far. I'm feeling pretty good. <laughs> well, the, the the thing you just mentioned is important too to for people to really think about, and that is this this whole notification disruption thing, because we I, the the numbers don't lie around how much time it gets wasted every time you get disrupted by a, a notification. I, I mean, if I have a notification that pops up on a screen, it's because I added an app and I didn't realize I didn't turn it off. But I don't do notifications. Period. There's very few people that could convince me that they have to have notifications. And and the reason I say that is if you if you take a plane flight, you're going to have to wait three or four hours in many cases to actually get, connect to people. There's no reason that you can't do that in general in your life unless you're a 911 operator that can't wait. But we're if we are so addicted or so stuck in the emergencies, we need to reevaluate our business and our life in general because we're going to end up melting down having a heart attack because we're on the edge. So that probably says something about our choices in general. So I, I think notifications in, in general are a terrible thing. It's super screwy about how it'll mess you up. And it actually throws your chemistry off because you're constantly being hit by like a red alert. It's kind of like watching CNN 24-7, having these alerts pop up all the time. Ugh, that actually sounds uh, like my own personal version of hell. So yeah, I don't right, want to go there. Like, okay, so I know what I would need to avoid. Um, and we have some mm-hmm. ideas of how we can kind of... Uh, starting from blank slate, start to 
kind of build out the, the type of lifestyle we want, the type of person we want to be. So offline, we were talking a little bit about uh, some other kind of wealth creation tools. So walk me through this. So we, let's say we kind of, we're kind of help. I think anybody listening to this has probably hopefully gotten some value out of the idea of this blank slate principle, kind of starting from scratch, a good way to do an evaluation of where you're spending your time, where you're, where you're, where you're spending your future time and wealth through credit cards. And of course, um, uh, the money that, that that's coming in where you're spending your current cash flow. I think that's great for anybody, no matter where they're at. Now let's say somebody actually is relatively, uh, where they have, they, they are able, they're able to make ends meet, um, pay all the bills. They're not necessarily in crazy amount of debt or anything like that. Um, or their debt hopefully is maybe making them money. What are some of the ways that we can kind of advance our wealth or grow it? Um, and if, if you have any, uh, strategies on that. Yeah, there's one word. It's called control, and you've got to shift the control of of your money and your and and the power around your money to you away from these systems that have just totally dominated it. And specifically, I talk a lot about retirement. I talk a lot about people planning. We've been convinced that the best thing you can do is work really hard in your business or whatever your 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 job is, and then hand all this money over that this excess, you know, your ten percent that you're saving, hand it over to somebody, and they're going to create wealth for you. And the truth is, they're going to create wealth for them. And that's who's going to get rich, and you're going to be taking the risk. So the strategy that that I, that I love, it's probably the the it's like the ultimate secret weapon. It's a it's a the financial uh, Ferrari of retirement plans. It's called a QRP. And the reason I love this so much is because you are in control of all your money. You're in control, and I'm talking about retirement money. So you and I were talking about IRAs a little bit, and most people have heard of IRAs, and they go, you know, I've got an IRA, I've got some money I put into it. It's five thousand bucks a year or something. With the QRP, you can put $55,000 a year into this thing and you can defer it if you want, which is 10 times better. So it's kind of a good Grant Cardone shift. You know, you got a 10X rule there. And the, the thing that's really powerful, I mean, there's a bunch of things. You can use that money to invest in businesses, in real estate. You can go buy an apartment complex and take out debt that induce your retirement funds. So it's a way for you to take money. You're not going to get rich if you use an IRA. The bottom line is over 20 years, you're going to have $100,000. You're just going to get old. You're not going to get rich. So with, with the QRP, you've got this option to invest in all sorts of things. And one of the neat benefits that's not available in the IRA is that you can borrow money out of it up to 50,000 bucks for anything you wanted. So like imagine you want to run a big social media campaign or you want to do a marketing thing or you want to go get some training and you're like, I, I don't really have the money. Well, if you had like an old 401k, you could roll that into a QRP and all of a sudden you've got a $50,000 credit line that you can tap into that you normally wouldn't be able to touch until you're 60. So this thing gives you some power and tools. Uh, and, and if you don't have one, I guarantee you your neighbors, friends, family, people do. And there's options for you to start helping them take control and potentially invest. So this is what I'm, I'm kind of obsessed about this thing because it gives people control and takes all those fees and all that control away from these systems that have been basically milking people for decades. What is, for those who aren't quite familiar with the QRP, it's a qualified retirement plan, right? And how yeah. does it work? What's the process for us to get into this? So it's basically what the QRP is. It's a it's a um, it's a 401k. It's based on the 401k code, and it's an individual 401k. So we the way that we build them. This is one of my businesses. We build these for people to actually have checkbook control of their money and be able to do a lot more than you'd ever be able to do with an IRA. And you don't have anybody that's um, that, that you're asking permission to because you're in charge. You're literally the trustee, the custodian. You get to wear all these hats. And so there's, I mean, you're, you are the man or the woman in charge of, of your money. Uh, we build it, you drive it. 
So instead of you being in the back seat or the trunk of your vehicle, you're, you're in the driver's seat and you get to choose when it's on, when it's off, how fast you go and where you take it. I mean, that's, that's really what it comes down to. It's, it's kind of mind boggling to think about this. And most people go, wait, that sounds wrong or I don't get it. And then a few minutes later they go, now I'm pissed off. I didn't know about this 10 years ago. And then they get really excited and they go do something, but there's a roller coaster because nobody really talks about it. It's, it's kept kind of distant and disconnected because there's a lot more profitable ways for the financial institutions to make money. Yeah. And so with this in mind, um, kind of digging a little bit deeper, is this something then that, um, like a self-employed person can use? That's like, that's exactly what this is set up for. It's for somebody that either is on their own or they've got some part-time people. It's, it's for the, you know, it's the solopreneurs, it's the entrepreneur, it's the investor. Um, I, I wrote a book on this called the QRP book and it's, it, it gives you an idea of why this makes sense and why it's useful. Um, I, it, it's always interesting to me to have people read this thing and it's very full of stuff, of information. And people will read the whole thing. It's like reading tax code for three hours and they get excited and they call and they go, I can't believe this. It's, this is like literally built for me. I mean, the people that are listening right now, in all likelihood, this is a beautiful vehicle that you need to know about and decide if, if it's the right thing to use, but it's, it's powerful and it's waiting to be used. What are the limitations uh, on it? Like, why, why wouldn't I use it? I guess would be the, the question. Like, what uh, are the use cases where, where it wouldn't necessarily make sense? If, if you just wanted to invest in mutual funds and stocks and bonds, this is a waste of money. It's, it's, it, it doesn't make any sense. If you are not going to be active at all in your investing and you're just, you're like, I, I don't have time. I don't want to be responsible. I'd rather have somebody else. It's probably not good for you. If you want to be in control, if you want to actually invest in things that you have a say in, then this is the vehicle. I mean, there's there's just nothing else that's comparable. So it, it kind of depends on your mindset and your philosophy around money generation and whether you trust yourself. If you're running a business, you, I, there, you've got some self-responsibility. I mean, that's the nature of running a business because the buck stops with you. So this is probably a really good thing to, to you know, learn about and understand. Yeah. And so obviously everybody's going to listen to this and we're going to be digging into QRP and what it means. I know I am as well. Um, I'm, I, so I'm more familiar with like self-directed Roth IRAs and stuff like that. Um, one of the setbacks of a self-directed Roth IRA is I can't invest in my own businesses, uh, and things like that. So it's gotta be like, I gotta be disconnected from it. Um, mm -hmm. So that's kind of a bummer with something like this. Could I hypothetically invest in my own businesses or, or is, it, is that still kind of similar where I'd have to be investing in like, say, somebody else's like uh, commercial real estate property? There, there are some control issues about investing in things that you have control of. If one of the ways that you can do this is you, you say, OK, I want to invest in my business. You can write yourself a $50,000 check and you're allowed to do that. It's you're loaning money out of your plan and you're not paying anybody any fees for the loan. You're, you're paying yourself back the interest. So it's not like a life insurance policy that has a lot of funny math. This is actually you get to take the 50 grand, invest in your business and, and you're off to the races. So it's different because the IRA, you do not have that option. So huge differentiator for people that are setting up businesses and especially getting started because a lot of times we have trap money and we, you know, we don't want to wait 10 or 15 years to tap into it with an old 401k or an IRA. I mean, you could literally convert your IRA into a QRP and, and then write yourself a check the next day for 50,000 bucks. Hmm. And then also, so with, uh, with a Roth IRA, um, you get taxed now 
but not tax later. So it's great if you're moving up the income brackets. Mm -hmm. This though, you can do either. It sounds like you'd be, or, yep. but it, or it can be, but it can, so it can be pre-tax dollars as well. Yeah, and so then you can tax on it later. Exactly. Part part of the the neat thing is that you do have the Roth baked into the QRP. The plan is set up for you to have that. So you can you can have deferred money, you can have Roth money, you can have combinations, you can convert money that's deferred into Roth. You can I mean you have all this flexibility. So one strategy is if you want to convert money and you decide, okay, I'm gonna take a sabbatical for a year, you have some deferred money, and then you say, I'm gonna roll over forty, fifty thousand of that the year I'm taking a vacation, your tax bracket just dropped down because of the lack of income, you convert it over. There's all these different strategies where you can really use this system. And you know, when you think about a guy like Mitt Romney that had 40, $50 million in his Roth account, there's a reason that there's a way to do that. And there's a reason that people are using this tool because it's built to make a lot of money and create a lot of wealth. So if you're not using it, you, you, you gotta look into it. I mean, there's zero is a great tax rate. And that's what happens with the Roth. You're literally going to a zero space, no taxes. That's, that's, that is kind of, and it gets better because, it, so if you, once you set this up and you've got a Roth account, when you die, somebody inherits it. So I did this with my dad many years ago. I said, dad, I want to set up a Roth account. I'm going to, I'm going to employ you and you're going to contribute. And I'm going to be the beneficiary. So when he died, that money went to me and I'm not 60, but because it's, it was an inherited Roth account, I now have the ability to continue growing it over my entire lifetime and I can pull it out and spend it tax free for the rest of my life. So effectively I don't pay taxes on, on investments or on the returns of those investments for the rest of my life. And you could set this up not only for you or for your kids, but think about parents and grandparents, think about family planning where you're you're saying, hey, as a family, let's figure out how to keep more of our money for our family and not for the government. So really cool options. And you said there's the annual limit is $50,000 per year to put into something like this? 55,000 per person. So if you have a spouse, you could potentially put 110. And if you're over age 50, you can put 122,000 between the two of you. Wow. Hmm. What's the catch? Uh, the, the catch is you're in charge. I mean, there's, so you've got to go and do something. If people will sometimes ask, well, what, what's my money doing when it's, if it's not being invested? I said, waiting. I mean, it's, it's like waiting for you to do something. So I mean, the, the catch is you're, you're going to spend, you're going to spend a few thousand dollars to get it set up. It's going to be a few hundred bucks a year and that's it. Beyond that, it's not like a thing where you get charged 2% or 1% of your assets. Like it's, there's no funny business with this. It's very, very straightforward and transparent. So if you like to be in control of your stuff, this is like the ultimate Ferrari of financial vehicles. I like control and I like Ferraris. So yes. Okay. And so interesting. So one, one more kind of more detailed question. And you said you can roll like 401ks into this. Can you also roll like uh, self-directed Roth IRAs or other Roth IRAs or IRAs into this? Like if you have other retirement accounts, can they all kind of be moved into some a vehicle like this? The only thing you can't roll into it is a Roth IRA. You can roll other Roth vehicles. You can roll 457s, thrift savings plans if you're a federal government type of person or you had one of those jobs. You can put almost anything in. And here's something that most people don't know, regardless of what type of plan they have. Any Roth contribution that you make, you can pull out anytime you want at any age because it's already been taxed. There's no penalty or any any tax. So think about this for a second. If you put 100000 into an account, into a Roth account over a couple of years, and then you, you let it grow, and so 10 years later, you've got a million bucks in there, you could just pull your basis, your $100,000 out, and have house money that continues to grow. So you can actually get your money back at you know, a lot earlier than age 60, if you wanted to you put it in your business. I mean, there's lots of options. 
it's it's a cool way that you can tap into your Roth account and actually use it before you hit age 59 and a half. Mm, okay, cool. Now that's interesting. So, all right. Well, any other thoughts then? This is a pretty cool tool. Um, I know we're coming to the end of our, our conversation today. I, I don't want to necessarily... Uh, to close it up here, any other piece of advice, I guess, for people who are looking to grow their wealth, anything else that I haven't asked you about that you think is actually relevant or an important point, especially for like self-employed, solopreneurs, small business owners? Well, having been through that whole process where I built something from scratch up to 20 million and then blew it up and lost it, I almost lost my life in the process because I was working myself to death and it's very easy to do entrepreneur. I mean, we work hard and there's nobody that is going to do it for us. I mean, we've got teams and everything. I think it's really important if you're going to work that hard to know why you're doing it. And it's, it cannot just be about the money. It's, it, there needs to be a mission that's driving you that's compelling and you need to understand what your values are around who you're bringing in and, and even, I'm talking to your customer, I'm talking to your team members. Those two things were missing out of the first 10 years of my business. They'll never, never be missing again. I mean, my mission is to free a million people from financial bondage. It's that clean, it's that simple. And so anything that I say yes to, and Warren Buffett had a, had a great quote, really important for you guys to pay attention to this one, that the ultra successful people are different than the successful people because the ultra successful people say no to almost everything. They say no because they know what they're focused on. And if it doesn't fit with that, they say no. So if you're really clear about what you're focused on, what your mission is, you'll be able to say no. And that is the key to success. It truly is. You got to say no to almost everything. I love it. Well, I think that's as great a place as any to, to end this. And then for, for you, Damon, to, uh, share, where can people reach out to find you, find more about you? Uh, and then of course, like this, I think QRP is pretty compelling, uh, to connect with you on that. So I'll give you two websites. Normally, I don't want to give people too much because it's if your brain overloads. But if you want more of me, it's DamianLupo.com. Pretty straightforward. You can find me. You can Google me, whatever. The, if you want a copy of the QRP book, go to theqrpbook.com, and I will send you physically, I will mail you a free copy because it's part of my mission to to free you from the financial shackles that are around you by not knowing. And if I can send out 100,000 copies of the book, I'm super happy to do it. And so please get a copy of it, uh, theqrpbook.com. Super simple. Awesome, Damien. Well, thank you so much for being on In the Trenches. Really valuable conversation. I think we hit a lot of great points. And I appreciate some of these great insider tips on, on ways we can really expand our wealth. So thank you so much for being on In the Trenches. Man, I appreciate the time. I appreciate the opportunity. Thanks for what you're doing. I hope to see you again. And that wraps up another broadcast of In the Trenches. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please do me a favor and go to tomworkus.com slash iTunes. That's T-O-M-M-O-R-K-E-S dot com slash iTunes and leave a rating and review for In the Trenches. Not only do I read and appreciate every review, but it helps spread the word of this podcast and allows me to continue to get on great guests. So thank you for your support and I'll catch you on the next broadcast of In the Trenches.